You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. This past summer, I attended my very first Broadway Con, which is an annual conference here in New York City focused on all things Broadway and theater. And while I was there, I got to be a part of events hosted by the Broadway Podcast Network. I conducted two live interviews for my podcasts, Why I'll Never Make It and Closing Night. And joining me were two actors that I've had the pleasure of working with before, Jelani Aladdin and Sharon Catherine Brown. Jelani talked about being in Frozen and Hercules, and his interview was presented several weeks ago on Why I'll Never Make It. But today we'll feature Sharon Catherine Brown as we mainly discussed Jekyll and Hyde. Like there, Lucy had a great death scene, and I thought if I could approach it from a real place rather than the musical theater death scene, it would be very effective. And it was because we weren't allowed to use blood in the show because the costume people were like, uh, no, thank you. We also talk about other seminal musicals she starred in, like Dreamgirls and Carolina Change. She also offers her advice to other aspiring performers. That's just some of the little treats you'll be getting in this special episode live from BroadwayCon 2023. Please welcome Sharon Catherine Brown. Thank you so much. She and I actually just met a year ago. It was a year ago this, that you and I met. This, it was last summer at this time. We did Anne of Green Gables, a new musical version of this classic story. That was you and I, Anne exactly. of Green Gables. Up Marilla in, Cuthbert. That's right. You were Marilla Cuthbert, the, the hard-nosed yet yeah. ultimately loving <laughs> yes. guardian and caretaker of yes. Anne. Now, for you, what is it that interests you in a role or a show that, that even leads you to audition for it? Uh, I'm always looking for a character that isn't necessarily black or white. Um, my, I would say over half of my career for sure is playing roles where I was the first black woman to ever play the role, including Lucy in Jekyll and Hyde, anywhere. And, um, and we're always, as people of color, supposed to be like so happy about that. And, and it was in the beginning, but after a while, you know, in its modern times, you're like, why are we still the first to do something? You know, and it gets um, exhausting. And so I, I look for, I am a drama queen. I've been doing this since I was three and a half. So when something, when something is, you know, extra, I, I tend to be drawn to that. Uh, you know, if it's if it's like drama, 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 and I get to have more snot than Viola Davis, I will be drawn to that. And um, I mean, I, I, I will. You know, if, if you yes, more snot, you more snot is good. You know, a, a good death scene. You know, like there, Lucy had a great death scene, and I and I thought if I could approach it from uh, a real place. Uh, rather than the musical theater death scene, it would be very effective, and it was, because we weren't allowed to use blood in in the show, because uh, the costume people were like, uh, no thank you. And so, as an actress, it, it meant that I had to create a, a, a 
the gruesome scene of Lucy's murder. And if you haven't seen the show, I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe spoiler. I should have told you. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, she she uh, she dies at the end, and and I wanted it to be very very gruesome without you seeing any blood, and everybody said that it was very difficult to watch. So that made me feel so great. So when I, when I feel like I can do that with a role, um, originating a role, Jelani is right. There is nothing like originating a role. So I've done that a couple of times. But when you have to recreate a role, you literally have to make the audience forget about their programmed responses, which sometimes happens with a with a, a popular show. I, I played Effie on Broadway in Dreamgirls, and I had to, to make the audience go on the journey with me instead of going, this is where we applaud. Um, that's, it's difficult, but I, I love that, I love that challenge. Um, but that's what I look for in a role, just something, just something that, people are not expecting you to play because sometimes maybe you don't you don't get the opportunity it is you know it's interesting for me there are a lot more people of color and I'm not just talking about african americans i i mean asian americans and hispanic americans on broadway but it's not necessarily a level playing field mm -hmm. because for me, a level, a level playing field means you you should also cast me as Mrs. Lovett because I would tear that role to shreds, and you should you should cast me in 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 certain things. And I know I know several of my friends that they also are not white or black, and they're Asian Americans, and they would be the best Mrs. Lovett you had ever seen and I'm not just saying that like they're just so amazing so in that in in that respect it is not a level playing field yet and I think we're really craving that well I mean and, and that's something that you've gotten to do because yes you've been a part of these all-black cast like dream girls the whiz but then you've you've gone on to do a role like Lucy which yes. was first done by Linda Etter right. on Broadway yes. so did did you feel like you were breaking the mold so to speak uh, yes, I mean Frank Wildhorn said you're making history. Like I, I knew it, but they also it was a very big deal to them, and still is to this day because I am also working with Frank on his new show, uh, Song of Bernadette, currently, and he always says that to people. You know, we first worked with Sharon all these years ago, and she's a groundbreaker. And I was like, you know, I, I was very fortunate um, to do that that show. When I did Lucy, I felt like it was my first grown-up role, and here's why. <laughs> because I was the narrator on Broadway in, in uh, Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, and I was the first black female to do that. Like I had a lot of those things, but because I started at three and a half, I was still kind of seen as the kid, you know, you, you, like the kid. I'm still... And Lucy was this super sexy uh, prostitute, and in order, in order for me to get the role, I had to to go to the audition in a in a way that I just never thought I'd have the guts. Like my puppies were sitting high. 
I'm sorry. Uh, this is uh, <laughs> I can't believe it. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, this is a podcast, so puppies. It's my 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 breasticles. <laughs> were, <laughs> you like? I, that's not. <laughs> oh God. You didn't think that was coming out, did you? No. I didn't even know that was coming out. <laughs> this is why. This is. <laughs> but I I was like I have to. I have to go a different way and I have to come out of my comfort zone and, and, um, feature something that I wasn't yet comfortable with. I, I, I saw myself as an actress and mostly a character actress. I never saw myself as a beautiful actress or a glamorous actress. And I was like, but I, but that's what I have to channel that right now. And so that was on top of the fact that there, I think what there was eight songs to the. It was it was a dogfight, and I love that in an audition. And uh, there, were, I was up against so many talented women, and I knew that I knew that I had to just do the most I ever did in order in order to get it. And so when I did get it, I I felt so so incredibly happy and I was like really glad that all that money I spent on that <laughs> lace bra was <laughs> I spent so much money on this thing <laughs> I was like I really hope it like does its job and so I did my job and it did its job and together we got the role of Lucy but <laughs> but um uh it was it was a little a little bit like I you know when when they want you you really, it really is a different thing because um, the tour of Jekyll and Hyde, the creatives are some of the biggest people on Broadway now, but but not back then, but it's amazing. Ken Davenport, who is one of the biggest producers on Broadway, was our company manager. Um, Jerry Mitchell was our choreographer, just the choreographer, just telling us on breaks that one day he wanted to be like Michael Bennett. You know, before there was hashtag full out, we were doing full out because that's all we knew to do. That's, there was no option for it. it full out was just our lifestyle. And, um, uh, David Warren was our director and he directed all of the Desperate Housewives and Gossip Girl. And so, so it, it was incredible to have this group of people as your creatives and then to see what, um, and the ensemble was Kelly You're O'Hara. You're all my questions. I have like That's so right. many questions. I know, because I know you so well. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, I got this. I got this. As a matter of fact, you just sit, sit and let me handle it. So anyway. <laughs> but don't you know that's what always happens? I'm such a typical girl. So literally, if you ask me one question, I'll answer the next 40 for you on one breath. On one breath. I haven't actually taken a breath. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question, though, and then I'll let you go. Please. You know, and then oh just go for it. So, so for this touring production, I understand that one of the Lucy songs cut from the Broadway version, Bring on the Men, was then added into the touring version. Were, were there a lot of these kind of changes that happened for the tour? I, I think that that was the main one because I think Frank actually liked that better. I remember... Everyone was happier, including the Jackies. The Jackies were, they were so happy that, uh, Bring on the Men was put in. in the Broadway version had uh, a song called Good and Evil. Uh, 
People reacted to bring on the men better. And it was filled with sexual innuendo. And I think it just worked better for what we were doing. And all of the ladies on the ensemble, including Kelly O'Hara, who then later became my Emma. Kelly, uh, who I just finished working with, was my Emma for a, a long time. And um, they were all dressed as guys in top hats. And they, they had long sticks and like a million jokes about those long sticks. You know what I mean? Like, I think it just worked better for the bodiness of the, of the, of the piece. And I loved it. I, I loved it. I had this long red train. Oh my Lord. It was so beautiful and not much else, but this long, beautiful, <laughs> no, seriously, like I really had to get up my girly nerves because I, this was my first like grown woman role. And I had to really put on the whole grown woman and go, just get over it. You're in a corset and not much else. And you're going to be fine. And I'm, Everybody treated me in, in such a wonderful way. I'm just so grateful I got that role. I got to work with the late Paul Huntley. We just lost him in 2021. But Paul Huntley was the, I mean, Elizabeth Taylor, Betty Davis. Like, you, you, you can't name a major legend that he didn't do their wigs. And so when I was sitting in his chair, aware of what came before me, and he just went out of his way to go, you are going to be the most beautiful woman on stage. He just, the curls and the, what he designed. And, and Woody Shelp, the most famous milliner uh, ever on Broadway, um, who did the top hats for Chorus Line, who created my um, Someone Like You hat, the most beautiful hat I, I ever wore um, on stage. It was, it was like a fairy tale, and we were working very hard uh, because the corsets were not uh, theater corsets. They were uh, very authentic. So, and I remember Linda Etter telling me, it's going to take a minute to get used to, but your body will eventually adjust to it. And um, So did you have to wear those from the rehearsal on? The whole tech. First of all, it's the longest tech of my life. I think we teched the show for like a year. That's what it seemed like. It was, it was, it is the reason why I never complain about tech. Jekyll and Hyde was so difficult that, Anything else to me is like, people are like, okay, we're going to start tech. And I was like, it's great. You know, I'm always like, we only work for 12 hours. What are you talking about? You know, because Jekyll and Hyde was, my, my shoes were built from the outside and the inside because my Jekyll was like six foot, oh my God. It was like, he was like six foot seven and I am not. <laughs> So DeFabrizio built the shoe from from the from inside the shoe and from the outside of the shoe. So I was I was on these platforms so doing tech because lighting is so important, I couldn't just do tech in my slippers. And the these authentic corsets and smoke. So the first like week of tech, all, all of us had bruises on our hips because it's just, it was, it was really difficult. And you were like, I couldn't, you, like you had to, I couldn't sit down. I had to sit at a slant when I wasn't a, and I was talking to people like this going, I think we're all going to die, <laughs> you know? 
and then having to sing these big knock them out of the park songs. But you do get used to it. And when I left Jekyll and Hyde, I had an 18 inch waist. I know that's not healthy because you probably shouldn't like re, you know, recapitulate your bones. Is that a word? I <laughs> did think that it make is now. Yeah, but did it? Did but it yeah, work? Yeah, things things had to re- rearrange. Reform. In there. You reform. Reform your your bones is what is what mm. happens. You know, like they. You know, it's more than shapewear when you wear an, an authentic corset. But all of it was really great because I knew, and I've met several people that said that they got into musical theater that were people of color that said that when I played Lucy, it was very important to them and they got into musical theater. And I was aware of that. So that was incredible for me. It will always be incredible. I will always be very, very grateful that I was chosen for that. And within this cast, you, you mentioned Kelly O'Hara, uh-huh. but there was also Felicia Finley, yes, Heidi Blickenstaff. I mean, th- these were these were ensemble members. The, yes, they, they weren't the leading Lyons, ladies yet. Judine, yeah, Judine Somerville. I mean, mm-hmm. all of these people were just, just like the most incredible ensemble you could have. Was it a close company? Did you guys all hang out together and do things on tour? I never hang out, but it has nothing to do with my... When I'm when I'm playing a role like that, eight shows a week, because, because if you come to see me at a matinee, you're going to see an evening show. I don't know how to do it any other way. I've I've had to sing. I am telling you at eight in the morning on a on a on a Good Morning America, and you're and it's like you see an evening show. It's it's with my training because both of my parents are Broadway Broadway performers, former Broadway performers, and it's it's my training. So eight shows a week, full out. That's all. That's all I know how to do. And that and that's you know. I don't even remember what you asked me now because I was so I got into my own spin. What did you ask me? I think oh, no, I, I have to out myself because sometimes I take myself on a on a trip, and then and then you're like, oh, when you come back, will you? Now you were telling me that you you left the tour early. I was, think a was, couple. Of, I think just a couple of weeks because it was something else that I got, and now I'm trying to remember because I went from Rent to Abyssinia to I I did eight years of of. Uh, theater back without a break of yeah I mean without without any break and um and then I when I took the break it was it was really cool to to be able to hang out that's what I now I remember your question (laughs) I get it back eventually the hanging out thing doesn't have anything to do with uh, me being antisocial it's just that I have to go right to bed I have to go right home and I don't you know get to to do stuff just because I, I don't want to suck on stage. That's really what it is. I just want to be absolutely. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, like uh, unless it was backstage, I never saw you during Anne of Green Gables. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, and yeah. then, and then we were, <laughs> we were doing crazy things backstage. We were literally so nutty, and our roles were the two uptight roles, and we were the two goofiest people in the cast. We yeah. were playing all the, you know, yeah. the, and we we're not that at all. Stick around after the break for more of my conversation with Sharon Catherine Brown.
by the time you were doing Jekyll and Hyde, though, you were really no stranger to touring. You had been touring for uh, quite a while. Mm-hmm. You, you did The Wiz. I did The you, Wiz. You were the understudy for Dorothy. And then I took over, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and that yeah. was at 14 years old, right? Uh, yeah, and, and for a while, Andre DeShields was my Wiz. Wow. How about that, right? Yes, I love him so much. And he he scared everybody. Everybody was so intimidated by him. And I would just like knock on his door and people would be like, oh, you'd hear the gasp. He loved me so much. He loved me and treated me like gold. And I just, because when I did The Wiz, I was 13. I was the youngest person ever to do the role. And so I really was living in Oz. <laughs> it really was that for me, you know. Yeah. I love that. But that must have been a lot for such a, a young kid. I mean, e- even though you had been performing for 10 years by that point. My mom was, my mom is so ahead of her time. My dad just passed away, but my, my mom, she w- was on the road with me because you have to have a parent or guardian when you're underage. But she taught me how to be self-sufficient and be on the road by myself. So that when I became of legal age to do so and became an adult, a young adult, I knew how to pay my bills. I knew how to, I know how to, how to cook. I know how to go shopping and, and banking and all of that stuff. So, and when I first started in show business, I was too young to read. So my memory is really, really good because she had to feed my lines to me. So I'm used to certain things. She's, you know, obviously my mom was with me, but I was also learning how to to be independent. And touring, I loved touring because it, I I love staying in hotels because you don't have to make up your bed all the time. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I don't like you, then you need a break. But I love I love so much touring and traveling. Oh my gosh, the fact that our careers take us different places. I've been all over the world not having to make up my bed. I, I mean, <laughs> I love that so much. Uh, you know, so it's, it's not something that felt difficult. It felt incredible. It felt incredible. It always feels incredible uh, getting to, to be on stage. It just always does, and it, I, and it always will. Whether I'm doing a musical or whether I'm doing a, a, a straight play, it always feels incredible to me. I still can't get over the fact that that I get to do this. And it's just it's just really something I'm grateful for. Well, I mean, your resume is is so long with all the shows that you've gotten to do and it was just 10 years after the Wiz, that you went into Dreamgirls. Yes. And yes. so Dreamgirls was hard. Oh, oh, I bet because you did the tour, and then you eventually went on to do Broadway. Yes, it's it's an incredibly hard show. It's incredible. It's it, you know, Effie is one of the hardest female roles ever ever written. But the the hard part came beforehand because if you know my person personality, and if you hang out with me, there are certain roles you would never see me as, and and that was something that. Uh, Michael Peters, the late Michael Peters was my godfather and he was, he was the choreographer that shared the Tony with Michael Bennett. They both choreographed it. And he knew me, but none of the other people saw me as Effie and they were like, they'll eat her alive. She will never have enough grit to do this role. But I'm an actress first. I'm an actress way before I'm a singer. And when I auditioned, I think they were trying to break me. Not I think, they were. They were trying to break me. 
if you can you can have me sing 23 songs in a row, you will not break me if, if it's something I want. I auditioned singing everything except the Curtis songs. I'm not joking. I was like, I'm getting something in this. And and so I had to prove to myself, um, Tommy and Henry Krieger, they were like, she'll never make it, she'll never make it, and then came back to me and said, we were wrong. Michael Bennett, we, we opened the tour in... Um, uh, Providence, Rhode Island, they gave him the key to the city. He gave it to me. He, uh, so, and, he, and it was, it was, I had to prove myself off stage before I ever got on stage because they kept going, she's too young, too thin, too this, too this, too this. And now, the thing that is so amazing to me is when they talk about Effie's, I'm in there. And there are people that saw me and that I'm one of their favorites. And, and, and when they talk about the tough ones, I'm the one they mention because I never missed a performance. And I'm the only Effie that has that record in all of those years. So, I, so I'm so grateful for that. And it made, me, it made me have a different reputation. If I didn't get that show... I mean, I don't, I don't know what would have happened, but my reputation, so much of it was built on that. So I am so grateful for, for, for Dream Girls because I know I'm, I'm not Effie off stage. <laughs> and you would look at me and go, like in my family, I'm known as the tune, short for cartoon. There, my mom says, you are a real live tune. So, so that's not, um, that's not that didn't fit that mold, but I I got it anyway, and I'm just really happy about that. How much of these roles, kind of like what Jelani was saying, how much of these roles were you able to bring, Shaykette, as I like to call? It? <laughs> how much <laughs> were you able to bring her to it? Um, I feel like every role I had to bring bring myself to it and bring so much of the what I am now known for as a performer because every pair of shoes I had to step into, these women set the bar so freaking high. <laughs> you know, I'm stepping into, even though I didn't step right into Jennifer Holliday's shoes because she opened years before I ever played it, but that's those are the shoes you think of. When you think of Lucy, it's Linda Etter. I'm the same way. I'm not just... Um, an actress, I'm a fan of these people. And so when you're stepping into to shoes of legends, you, if you don't have to, you can't just knock it out of the park. You have to build a park and then knock it out of that park. You have to rebuild it so that people are like, oh, I, I, yeah, I never thought I'd say I had to do the same thing with Caroline. More than any role I've ever done, I think Caroline from Carolina Change is my biggest dream role ever. And the fact that I got to do that, I, I mean, I could cry right now thinking about it. I, wa I was so obsessed with that role and to, to finally get to do it. But I had to rebuild the park and then knock it out of that park so that the audience is like, oh, I, I, okay, you took, you took us somewhere we hadn't been before. That's your job, by the way, too. It's all of our jobs. Well, for, for the last question I have, what advice do you give those who are trying to make that leap from regional or off-Broadway to get to their Broadway debut? I've never given that advice. No, I've, ne I've, I've, I've never given that advice. I don't, I don't give a lot of advice. I take a lot of, of advice. 
And I've never, I've never given somebody that. I, I don't know how to do it. I don't, I don't know how to do it. I started so young that I don't know how to tell you how to do it. I don't know anything else, and I know that doesn't help anybody. I'm sure that the only thing I am sure of is there's a million ways to do it. That's what, that's what I know. There's a million ways to do it. You're always going to hear something, somebody's story, and go, wow, that's a success story. That's the way I get, and, and, and think that's, that's the road. But then you'll hear something else and go, what? Like, like Bridgerton. Okay, Bridgerton is, do you guys know that the reason why Bridgerton is on the streaming service that shall not be mentioned because we're on strike right now? Do you know that that's because Shonda Rhimes went on vacation and needed a book to read? The book was already famous, but it wasn't a series. Like that's, and you're, you're like, oh my gosh, that's, a crazy way to success for that author and all of those actors. So I don't know how you do it, but I will answer one of your other questions before you ask me. My mom, who, like I said, she was a former Broadway performer and also, so I'm a double Broadway legacy baby. Um, she was an acting teacher. And my mom said, remember, because she never wanted me to be big-headed. And she said, remember, you give a performance. You don't take a performance. You give one. I never forgot it. There's never a time that I'm on stage where I don't hear it. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes when you're an actress, you're feeling yourself. You know, like sometimes you just have those days where you're like, yeah, I'm a working actress. And it, I never let myself go on stage with that. And my mom, I constantly hear her in 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 my in my head, no matter what I'm doing. And she also told me, and I'm still really trying to, to learn this because I'm always like, okay, what next, what next? She said, live in the moment. She goes, you're gonna miss everything because you're constantly, constantly thinking about what's your next move, what's your next job, what's your next, and I struggle with that even as I'm telling you now what she told me. I'm getting better at it. Because now I remember things, and I'm like, yo, yes, because I was in the moment. I wasn't thinking about what was coming next. So I want to thank my mom, June Brown, because those are two of the most important things that that she's uh, taught me and that always go. I don't, you know, and I guess it seems like, you know, you asked me that question, what advice you give, but... You gave plenty. No, I, I loved know, it. I know. loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really like... I, sometimes I just say, don't listen to anybody. Sometimes I feel like you're, you know, when you're not lying to yourself, you know it. And when you're lying to yourself, you know it too. So just be true and authentic to yourself. I think that that is probably always the right thing to do. Unless you're a serial killer. Then, then, don't then do that's that. never going to be right. Thank <laughs> you so never. much, Sharon Catherine Brown. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on this special episode with Sharon Catherine Brown, recorded live at BroadwayCon 2023. Please consider subscribing and supporting my efforts to do more live events in the future. Look for subscribe and donate links in the show notes. 
Well, that just about does it for me. This has been a production of the award-winning Win Me Media. Background music used in this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions and John Bartman. Until next time, I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.